Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mindful Manager Podcast. My name is Art Burns. I'm here as your host, and I'm so happy to be here to talk about mindfulness and emotional intelligence and the wonderful things that these these practices and uh, and qualities of our life can bring to us. Uh, and it and it really does affect every single aspect of your life in in ways that you have no idea. Um, I just started a uh, an eight week program with a couple of different groups this week, and one of the themes that we were talking about was how you know one of the things I'm asking everybody to do is each week to to talk to another person in the group right like I've paired them up as uh, sort of accountability partners and um, and to ask them like like what is it that you want to get out of this program this week because that's the thing about mindfulness and, and about all of this work that I talk about here on this podcast and in my work with clients is that you know it changes it's it's not you know you realize like like you come at it as you know okay I need to reduce my stress or, or I want to increase my emotional intelligence so that I can be better at sales or, or, you know, have a better, you know, interpersonal relationships in the, in the office or in my, you know, or I want to get to be a better dater. And so I want emotional intelligence for that. Right. So that's like a target that you have and you go in with that and you're saying like, okay, that's what I want to fix. And I'm going to learn mindfulness and, and develop emotional intelligence to do that. And it will work. Right. But the thing is that a few weeks into your practice, you're going to realize that, whoa, it's also affecting, you know, my energy levels, or it's also affecting, you know, my, my outlook on life. And I, I had no idea it would feel this way. And it's, it's giving me more patience, or it's giving me, um, you know, a better ability to calm myself down, you know, when I'm, when I'm feeling, you know, anxious before a date or something like that, right. And, um, you know, my, my point is none of these things specifically, but, but that, that the fact is that it changes and it changes as you go on. And, and, uh, and that's one of the most beautiful things about this this journey that that we're on together. You know, as we talk about mindfulness, that you know, I, I throw all these different subjects at you every day, and uh, and hopefully you're doing the practices that I'm I'm suggesting. And if you are, then you're going through a, a similar you know sort of metamorphosis of your of your sort of you know goals and 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 sort of perspective of what mindfulness is doing for you. And to me, that's one of the most magical things about this. And and it's like because again, I've talked about this a lot that you know meditation in and, in and of itself is all about investigation into ourselves right and and the more we get to do that on a sustained regular and intentional basis the more we we discover about ourselves and the more we discover about ourselves the more we learn the more we learn the more we realize that there's more to it than we thought originally and again that's just one of the most magical things for me so um so to that point um i would like to talk talk today. It's been a little while since I've gotten into a, a good science episode here. And um, just the other day, I um, somebody sent me a link to a, a video of uh, Richie Davidson uh, giving an interview about mindfulness. And so he, you know, I've talked about him a lot here. Um, there, there's Let's see, there's three different like science people, hardcore science people that I follow and, uh, and who really inform much of the work that I do. Uh, and Richie Davidson is absolutely the top for me. Uh, next will be Dan Siegel, who is um, uh, also just an amazing mind, an amazing you know, speaker, an amazing teacher. He's an amazing author. He's just an amazing person. And then also Daniel Goleman, right, who's the author of uh, Emotional Intelligence, How It Can Matter More Than IQ, and uh, 
um, and also Social Intelligence, which is its sort of sister book. Um, you know, also a really intense, you know, wonderful mind, wonderful writer, wonderful teacher, wonderful guy, you know. And so, and so, but Richie Davis, you know, I actually just after watching this video, I posted something on my Facebook wall that, you know, so you, sometimes people ask you um, this really compelling question that I love that, you know, if you could pick any person, alive or dead, who, to have dinner with, you know, who would it be? And and so when I was younger, you know, it was a rock star, you know, or, or an actor or something like that, like when I was a teenager, right? And then when I was in college, it was probably somebody more like a, like a philosopher or, a, you know, or an author of some sort, right? And then, um, and then uh, in my early, um, in my early uh, adulthood, it was probably like a world leader, right? Like, a, like somebody who changed the world through their leadership, like Gandhi or, or Martin Luther King Jr. or you know, you know, somebody like that. Right. But today it's absolutely Richie Davidson or, uh, or Dan Siegel or, or, um, or Daniel Coleman, or and listen, I, I would buy dinner for all three of them would sit down at a table and that would be amazing. So, um, so anyway, I'm a big fan and, um, <laughs> I hope you don't mind me sharing that with you. Um, but yeah, but Richie Davidson is particularly amazing. Now his story is, um, you know, he's a, a Harvard graduate, I believe he, you know, during his, um, college years, he did um, a couple of trips abroad, actually with Daniel Goleman, um, with and without him. But they they went over to India and and studied with you know with with you know, masters of Buddhism in, in these ashrams, which is, you know, basically like a monastery. And, um, and so, and they did intense retreats with these, with these people, you know, and so, so he really, you know, delved into the, the Eastern, you know, contemplative practices and, and philosophies and, you know, but as, as a Harvard trained scientist, you know, which is really intense to me. And so Richie is the one who, or one of the, the people who, um, when the Dalai Lama back in the, uh, mid to late 90s uh, came to the U.S. with with and convinced a, a host of his monks to come to the U.S. Uh, to be studied by scientific equipment and scientists who, who know, you know, neuroscience in the Western scientific world. You know, he did this because he wanted to show the rest of the world how, you know, it's not just a spiritual thing, this Buddhism. It's actually rooted in science. It actually changes the way the brain works, you know, and, and it's due in large part to to that work that we've come up with this concept of neuroplasticity, right? The idea that through through repeated thought and repeated practice, we actually can change the structure of our brain. Okay, and so and 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 to his great credit, the Dalai Lama um, said at the time that if we go there and and some of the science disproves some of our ancient Buddhists' um, uh, texts and 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 concepts, we're going to have to rewrite the texts. Which is like, I mean, that is bold and. I've always really respected that. But anyway, anyway, Richie Davidson was was one of the people involved there. And actually, during a lot of his talks, he'll 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 mention that that like you know like the Dalai Lama grabbed him by the arm and told him at the end of some of these studies that you know Richie, you have to bring this information to the world. You know, you have to tell everybody how this works. And and like I mean, what a great you know I mean we talk about our why all the time. You know, like why do we do what we do? And so like that's the greatest why I've ever ever 
heard, you know, and, and he does it, you know, even though he's, you know, he's been, you know, I mean, this was in the late nineties, he was already in the mid of his, in the middle of his career, you know, so, so, but yet he still goes out there and gives these interviews and, and teaches this, this stuff. And, and it's just, his dedication to it is just really inspiring. And, uh, and so is his knowledge. So I want to, you know, as I'm watching this video, I'm scribbling down a whole lot of notes. And so I want to take the next couple of episodes here and talk about some of the things that, that Richie was saying and, um, and, and how, you know, how this stuff works in our brain. Because again, it's been a, a little while since I've done one of these episodes. I'm sure there's some new people listening now who haven't heard this stuff before. And, um, and, and those of you who have heard it, bear with me because it's probably going to be a little bit new stuff here too. Uh, but, but it's really important to me to understand this. And I actually told this to my class last night, you know, not that there's anything, you know, um, wrong with like the woo woo spiritual aspect of what we talk about here, you know, but, but to me, you know, it's, you know, in my analytical mind of, of the Western person that I am, you know, the science is what really moves me. Like if I know that there is evidence that this works, right, beyond just a spiritual faith that it works, you know, for me that, that means a lot. It carries much more weight. And so, and so because I'm, I'm catering to people who are, you know, you know where, where I'm talking here to people who are in the business world, right, this is the Mindful Manager podcast, um, you know, not the Mindful Monk podcast, if you will. Um, but because of that, I'm guessing that some of you might be more like me in the sense that like, okay, yeah, the woo-woo stuff is cool. I get it. I see that you believe it. I- I'm down with that. Good for you. But uh, for me, I need a little bit more some substance behind it, you know? And so if that is for you, then, or if that is describing you, then, then this information is going to be really helpful for you because, because this is, you know, strict, you know, again, yes, Richie did some work in Buddhism and, and he went on, you know, week long retreats and he, you know, tells a story of, of, of having to meditate for, I think it was seven hours in a row where his knee was killing him. And he came to this point of understanding his pain and accepting his pain. It's really intense, you know? So, so yes, he is in that sort of spiritual realm, but he's also a hardcore scientist. I mean, he's like one of the top neuroscientists in the world, you know, and has been for decades. So, so it's like a really great thing for me, you know, to, to understand this and for me to help to, for you to understand this. So, so let's go through, um, I'm going to just kind of flip through my notes here and talk about, um, you know, the things that he was talking about in this interview. And, and I mean, I call it an interview, but basically the, the person giving the interview, you know, asked like one question in the beginning and then one question at the very end over a half hour, you know, so, so this is really just Richie giving a, a speech basically, or, or basically like a lecture, like as if we were in a class with him and, um, and it's really good stuff. So, uh, so yeah, get out a pen and paper if you're interested. Um, however, you always have this to come back to if you want to listen to it. And, and of course, if you're, you know, I'll give you some information at the end of this to get in touch with me. Uh, if you'd like to discuss this any further, because I'm more than happy to do that. Believe me, I could talk for hours about this stuff. All right. And I could certainly point you in the direction of, of the actual, actual video um interviews that he's given and uh you know i have a whole library of this stuff so so if you want any of that just get in touch with me i'm going to tell you how to do that at the end um so i'm probably going to split this into between today and tomorrow okay because there's a lot here and it's only a 30 minute talk that he gave uh but there's a lot for us to to cover so um so yeah let's just see how it goes okay so uh so basically we start out by you know 
the, the way Richie was starting out to talk about this is talking about sort of the, the themes, if you will, of neuroscience. Okay, so the, the basic realms in which neuroscience, you know, what it's all about, right? And so the first one is neuroplasticity. Okay, I'm just going to expl- I'm just going to list them and then we'll go into each one of these in detail. Um, so the first, you know, theme of neuroscience is is neuroplasticity. The second is epigenetics. The third is a brain body communication. And the fourth, and this is really well well worded and this is exactly how he said it. I wrote it word for word. I stopped and rewound and wrote every single word exactly as he said it. The 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 fourth theme of of neuroscience is every human being comes into the world with innate basic goodness. All right. I mean, how beautiful is that? So anyway, so so neuroplasticity. Okay, so so neuroplasticity, as I just mentioned with the Dalai Lama, it's uh, you know before 1995, it was pretty well accepted in the science community. You know, overwhelmingly accepted in the in the science community that that once you reached your early 20s or your mid 20s, your brain was formed, and that was all you had. Right? It was never going to grow, and and it would only decrease in size and shape, and and you know and and uh, decrease. Um, uh, neural connections through through degeneration, right? Like either brain damage or you know excessive drug use or or dementia in old age or Alzheimer's, you know things that like protein that would grow inside your brain that would block neural connections. Like that was the only way that neural connections were going to change. You you were basically set with what you had from from the age of twenty five until it started deteriorating. Okay, and uh, so so in or <laughs> in and around nineteen ninety five, the scientific community said, yeah. Never mind that. Uh, you know, it's actually completely wrong. That, that in fact, as you um, as you do something over and over again, okay, um, you know, basically contemplation, right? Like, like as you contemplate a certain thing over and over again. So, so in other words, if you think positive thoughts over and over and over again, your your brain structure is going to change to to be more likely to think positive thoughts automatically, okay? And it's you know, of course. I'm just using positive thoughts as a basic, um, a basic uh, example, but but there are some actual examples of this, and and, and so a couple of them are, you know, um, one study I read about a long time ago is that um, they they uh, a bunch of they, there was a study done on some violin virtuosos, right, like people who could really play violin in front of you know big concerts and you know the, the real deal, right, and they study they they examined the the brains through brain scans and found that each one of these violin uh, experts had you know the area in the brain that that controls the the left hand right which is on a violin that really has to move very quickly and very precisely that that in the in the in that area of the brain that controls the left hand there was increased activity right and, and both at resting and when they're playing you know and so so it's like you know again the, you know by practicing over and over and over and over again they actually change the function of that area of their brain okay so that's what we're talking about when we're talking about neural plasticity and and that applies to mindfulness you know and that's that's actually what mindfulness is all based upon is that you know when we when we sit and we do 
you know, meditation in form in a formal sense, and we do um, and we do informal practices as well. As I talk about here, you know, what we're doing is we're changing the structure of our brain so that these things become more automatic. It becomes the 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 natural inclination of our brain, even though it didn't start that way. Okay, so that's what neuroplasticity is, and that's the first theme of neuroscience. Okay, which is neuroscience means the the science of the brain and the nervous system, right? Which is basically everything that makes us go, right? And so, um, and so the second is called epigenetics. Now, epigenetics is kind of the, the genome parallel to neuroplasticity, okay? Now, again, until fairly recently, it was, it was always believed that our genes were what they were, right? You inherited genes from your, your ancestors and your parents, and, and, and that was just, you know, that was the way your genes were. And now, it, it is true that the pairings of genes doesn't change, right? But the thing that, that epigenetics has told us is that, um, is that the genes can turn on and off, okay? That they're plastic, just like the brain is, right, in neuroplasticity. The way Richie described it is that there's a, a molecular volume controls to your, to your uh, genes, right? And, um, and so one of the things that, that, you know, that really influenced this molecular control is our environment, right? And so, and so as you're living in a certain environment, your genes are going to turn on and off based on that environment. So, you know, if there's toxicity, like a, a smoke in there, then the genes for, you know, for, for developing certain kinds of cancers are probably going to turn on because they're exposed to this toxicity all the time, right? Um, but also, um, emotional demeanor will also influence genetic uh, epigenetics, right? Um, so, so like, in a, you know, the way that works is that like a mother's demeanor towards her offspring, right? If, if a mother is supportive and is, um, and is, is, you know, comforting and, and, you know, and loving, then, then the child, you know, the child's genes are going to actually express differently than if the mother is cold and ignoring the child and, and harsh with the child and stern and, and these kind of things, right? And so again, you know, we often think of genes as like, okay, this is just who I am. It's just the way it works for me. And so, but that's just not true. It's actually there, there is a, 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 a plasticity to your genetics, which which responds to, you know, to, to your, you know, your environment and the way that you are, you know, the way that, that other people treat you, but also the way you treat yourself, you know, which, again, comes into play when we talk about mindfulness and emotional intelligence. Right. Because as we as we develop the mindfulness and we develop the ability to, um, you know, to kind of, you know, control certain feelings that we have that we're actually going to change our genetic, our epigenetics. They're, they're going to turn on and off, in which case, and there's a guy named uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza who, who gets into this very deeply. And, um, and, and he, he works with people through meditation to, to cure like stage four cancer, you know, and, and that's all dealing with, with this sense of epigenetics. Okay. Um, again, if you want to get, um, if you want to get deeper into this, you know, hit me up and we'll, we'll talk more about it. But, uh, because I mean, I've already been on here for 18 minutes and, uh, this could take uh, a lot longer <laughs> if I, uh, if I don't, uh, kind of keep it as a top level kind of, uh, talk here. Okay. So, uh, so moving to the next, um, the third, uh, theme of neuroplasticity is the mind body communication. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, the brain body communication. Um, and so, you know, so again, there's this 
understanding now in recent science and and all of this stuff is exhaustively shown in in data that that has been collected throughout you know decades of work now okay so i mean when when a guy like richie davidson talks about this stuff you can believe it okay because he's not going to say something that's not um that's not, that hasn't been studied with 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 experiments that he approves right i mean it's like he's a really really hardcore scientist and i know that from reading several of his books and and knowing that you know like you know reading the the you know the uh, footnotes and the references for his books i mean he's exhaustive about this okay so so just understand that too okay so um so there is is an understanding that the brain influences the body and the body influences the brain okay so so that means that uh, the sense of well of mental well-being right is not just a subjective feeling right but but the you know but it it actually influences our body you know so so what i mean by that is that when we when we cultivate a sense of 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 positive and and or just mental well-being right like when we cultivate happiness right which we do through mindfulness right as you know we've talked about that before right like like mindfulness allows for happiness to happen and and emotional intelligence allows us to understand our you know our emotions on a way that we can actually you know influence our emotions to be in a in a really good place for ourselves right and as we do that Okay, and again, there is enormous, enormous data behind this that as we cultivate that, you know, sense of well-being inside our brains and our minds, we actually will heal our bodies too. We will actually make our bodies healthier by doing that work because there is a connection that, you know, the, the brain influences the body and the body influences the brain. Um, and uh, so, you know, so essentially well-being is is associated with physical health and and so in my work one of the reasons why why this is really important to me is that um is that stress is one of the things that inhibits uh physical health right and also emotional health so so by by you know by applying the practice of mindfulness to stress reduction then what we're doing is we're we're creating this this positive well-being that's going to go in our brains and our bodies at the same time and so it's really, really important, right? Um, and so, and so, and and again, this also will, you know, will uh, influence our epigenetics as well, right? Like, like the the more physical and mental well being we have, the more that you know the the genes for for things like cancer and the genes for other diseases and and other maladies are going to be turned down, and the genes for well being and the genes for for good health are going to be turned up. Okay, so again, this stuff is so enormously important to understand. Um, and so finally, uh, that last, um, <laughs> the last uh, uh, theme of neuroscience is that every human being comes into the world with innate basic goodness. Now, Richie quoted uh, or cited a study done with puppets, okay? And, um, and he, you know, he, he talked about puppets who were, you know, who were, you know, shown to children who were like six months old, right? Like really, really young, young babies, right? And, um, and, they, and they controlled for, you know, they, they randomized and controlled for physical attributes of the puppets, right? Like it, it, it has no, you know, it, they, it was very carefully done in the, in the experiments. And that's what I meant by Richie davidson like when he quotes you know experiments you can believe those experiments were really well done and so and um and so so the the type of puppet like the colors and the the physical attributes of these puppets were all randomized and and you know and and accounted for right but but when the puppets acted 
in uh, in warm-hearted um, you know interactions, right? Like like you know when they were engaged in warm-hearted interactions as opposed to selfish interactions, right? Or or harmful interactions. The babies always always reach for the warm-hearted puppies puppets, right? And and so um, you know when and so. And so this just shows that, you know, that, that when we're, you know, from the very beginning of our lives, right, we're, we're come into this world with this innate, you know, sense of goodness, right? Like kindness and goodness in our hearts, right? And so, so when we practice um, uh, loving kindness and compassion practices, what we're doing is we're nurturing the seeds that are already in place, Okay, we're being, you know, more familiar with the, you know, the the fundamental nature of our own mind. This is what this proves, right? So, so the idea that when I tell you to, to practice loving kindness, right, and I tell you that, you know, to stop every hour for 10 seconds and just look around and just wish people well, just that act of just wishing someone to be well or to be happy, right, that is not something that you're teaching yourself to do, that, you've, that you, it was a foreign concept. What you're doing is you're reminding yourself of the way you have always been. And, and so, and by doing that, you are, you know, you're reaffirming this sense of, of goodness that has always been in you, right? And so, again, this is really, really important to understand because, you know, it, it really does change the way that you can, you know, sort of approach this work, right? Like, like when, you know, and, and the importance of compassion work, you know, that, that when you're, you know, when you're, you're doing this work, what you're doing is you're, you're realigning yourself to the way that you're supposed to be, right? It's not, it's not like, you know, again, like getting into the spiritual woo-woo sense of like, you you're not like trying to change yourself to be something that you are not, you're actually changing yourself to be who you really are supposed to be. And if you can be who you are supposed to be, then that's where your sense of mental and, and physical well-being are going to flourish, right? And it's going to blossom and it's going to be really, really wonderful for you. So, and this is all to say that keep doing the practices, okay? I mean, this is as as important as anything, right, in your life is to do these practices. And, and the thing is that over time, a little bit at a time, you know, what you're doing is you're changing the physical aspects and attributes of your brain and the rest of your body and your genes. And you're, you're just, you know, you're reprogramming yourself to be someone who is healthy, happy, um, you know, has well-being, uh, a sense of well-being, and, uh, and, and can flourish in your life in no matter what area you're talking about, okay? And, so, so that, and that's why I come here every day and tell you about this stuff, because this is what's, you know, really important, you know? I mean, because, you know, dep- no matter what else is going on in your life, if you can build on these things and you can create this sense of well-being, you know, in, in your in your mental and your physical reality, then, then anything else that you're trying to do, you're going to do much better and you're going to do much more effectively and you're going to do with, with much more, you know, reward to yourself. All right. So, so yeah, folks, keep practicing. All right. Um, so yeah, so there's about half of this talk left and, um, and I'll go over that tomorrow. Okay. Uh, and tomorrow we're going to talk about the, the four, uh, steps of well-being. And I'm going to tell you one thing right now that it starts with awareness. All right. And so, um, and so, 
you know, again, what we're developing with mindfulness is awareness, right? It's as Jack Kornfield calls it, um, loving awareness, right? You know, which is just another way of saying paying attention on purpose in the present moment, non-judgmentally. All right. It's all about awareness. And so that's the very first step of, of emotional well-being as taught to us by someone who, who, you know, teaches psychology, <laughs> you know? So, um, so yeah, so stay tuned for that tomorrow. I'll be back with that. And so, so yeah, if you would like to get into a conversation about any of this stuff or a conversation about anything at all, there's two really easy ways to get a hold of me. You can send me an email at art at artburnscoaching.com. Or you can go to my website and schedule what I call a virtual cup of tea. I call it a virtual cup of tea because there's, you know, just like sitting down to a cup of tea with with someone, um, you know, a friend or a loved one, you know, there's never any expectations. There's no ulterior motives. There's no obligations. You know, you don't sit down with a friend so your friend can sell you something, you know, to have a cup of tea, right? You just sit down to enjoy the time together. And that's what I'm offering to you. If you, if you want to just talk about some of this stuff, I promise I will never try to sell you into my program unless you ask okay and so um and so you can trust me on that and uh and and go ahead go to my website if you'd like to uh artburnscoaching.com right along the top there of the front page there's a, a few tabs and one of those tabs is called virtual cup of tea go ahead and click it you'll enter into my calendar program which uh which only shows you the the times that i'm available um and uh, and then you can um, and then from there, uh, you know, you answer like two or three questions and put your phone number in and, and we'll just be hooked. And, and I'll call you at the designated time and we'll just sit there on the phone for for however long it takes. You know, usually it's, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes, but I block out a full half hour just in case things go a little long. And especially if we're going to talk about neuroscience. It can definitely go a little long. We might have to book another call. Um, but anyway, I've, I'd love to hear from you all. Uh, but also I respect you if you don't want to talk to me, too. And I, I still love you for, for, for listening to this podcast. And, um, and I'm so excited to be here to share these things with you. And uh, I'll be back again tomorrow to share some more. All right, folks, I hope you found today's uh, neuroscience episode helpful. And, um, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good day, everybody. Bye-bye.